All right, what's up, everybody? So, just a heads up, this episode is a little bit longer than normal, but you're going to want to hang in there. I'm speaking with a couple of Army combat vets that uh, share their journey into the military and through combat and life after, and it's it's a great story. Uh, specifically, a lot of you that are they're looking to go into college and it's possibly the military. They speak about their experience going through ROTC, um, getting their commission and moving on into the army. So that's going to be really valuable for a lot of you. So hang around for that. Um, these guys literally won the lottery when it comes to when to join the military. They joined just before 9-11 and so they jumped right into combat. All right. So enjoy. Great. All right. We're ready to rock and roll. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, yeah, first off, uh, you know, thanks, you know, so much for your guys' service. And I've been uh, really looking for, uh, you know, just some time on the podcast to be able to bring um, uh, veterans on here, active duty, that sort of thing. And just kind of share share your guys' story um, and, and dive into led you into the military and, uh kind of your journey in war and also on the business side. And so, yeah, if we could kick off there, man, maybe just uh, uh, do a little intro and, and uh, tell us about, about yourselves and, and just quickly, you know, just each, each one of you just, Hey, how did you, how did you decide to, you know, what was your process going in the military? When did you join? Uh, what was that, that inspiration or that kick in the ass that got you? got you in and uh we'll just kind of carry it from there yeah justin thanks for the opportunity so yeah joe himpleman here from assault forward and uh we're uh speaking with you from washington dc this afternoon our time and um yeah so my journey i grew up uh just outside great lakes naval training center uh in northern illinois so uh seeing guys like you walk around the mall on the weekend in those pretty pretty <laughs> dressed whites uh pretty much guaranteed i was never going to join the navy uh, but I was I was really interested in the military and uh, particularly the army. I just wanted to be a soldier, and so um, you know all the way back, my high school had a JROTC program, um, which I participated in. Did air rifle and shot 22s in the basement of our school. Um, you know, learned the basics and then uh, went on to uh, ROTC at Northern Illinois University. Um, had no grades, so the army said, "Hey, if you can survive your first year, we'll give you the next three. And uh, nice. but made it through the first year with that minimum GPA that was required and uh, went in and then um, went out for uh, the training you do the summer between your junior and senior year. That was the summer of 2001. So that fall, my senior year of college, best time of my life, 9-11 happens, locked in, going into the Army in May. So eight months to the day after 9-11, uh, sworn into the Army and uh, shipped off to uh, Fort Sill, Oklahoma to do the uh, field artillery training there and, and then ended up in my uh, my first duty station in uh, lovely upstate new york at fort drum home of the 10th mountain division and, wow uh, so you really uh you really hit a sweet spot there i mean you're 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 senior in college you're uh or no it's high school high school college you, yeah college college yeah. Right. so you're senior in college you're getting everything paid for and 9-11 happens and and i guess in my mind because i'd already been in the military for a number of years basically doing nothing before 9-11 and you're just like holy cow this is it man yeah i don't 
could have hit it any better time. Yeah, no, I was, uh, yeah, I was, a, I was, I was making that extra hazardous duty pay pretty quick out the gate, and uh, <laughs> so um, yeah, that extra, what was it, 150 bucks a month or three, <laughs> some, some ridiculous for when you think about what you were asked to do um, and deploy, be gone for a year at a time. But yeah, so my, uh, I stayed on active duty for just, just under eight and a half years, um, multiple deployments to Afghanistan and Iraq. Um, variety of different roles and, and leadership opportunities for me. So the military was a great fit for me, but it was a hundred miles an hour uh, from the day I got in till the day I got out. And um, so it was, it was, uh, it was good timing for that. So I'll, I'll toss it over to Shaw, let him tell his story. Um, and then uh, we'll, we'll jump in together about the, uh, the post-military life. Yeah, yeah, hold on a second. Let me step back. Uh, don't get away that easy. So for a lot of, a lot of my listeners, you know, they're in some stage of, uh, deciding between college and military and you know that maybe they're in JROTC and they're well I'm not sure if I want to do ROTC but that was your route um what was your experience there just quickly going through ROTC in college and and obviously you got out of college with no debt you owed some time to the military but man did you did you hit it you, you hit the jackpot as far as no. going to war yeah uh, absolutely so. no it was uh, it was it was great great experience for me um you know I did ROTC so it was like it's a class you take every semester throughout your entire time whether you're a it's military science they call it so military science one two three and four through all four years of college um you know you're you're it's a class on your schedule so you can do other stuff it doesn't preclude you from participating in sports or doing other things for me I always say like ROTC was kind of my fraternity um because you do meet for PT in the morning so you get that physical training in to start your day get the blood flowing um so because of that I wasn't afraid of an eight o'clock class because I was up anyway doing PT so I'd go to go to class in our horrible army sweatsuit that we had back in the uh, early 2000s <laughs> um probably get a lot of funny looks on campus but people knew what we were doing and then um so yeah it was a way to pay for college um had four years afterwards as, as a commitment to the army um, but when that four year mark was up, I think I was in Afghanistan on my second tour. So I wasn't really ready to get out then either. So I decided to stick around for a couple more years. Um, and then of course the best benefit to me was that we earned, even though I had an ROTC scholarship that paid for college, I still earned the post nine 11 GI bill. Um, so I was able to use that government money, uh, after my military career to go back to school, um, which is where I met Shah. Yeah, no, that's, that's great. And definitely want to hear about that. Um, you know, just people don't realize the benefits, you know, if you really dive into it, there's uh, so many ways to get college paid for and not, not get out of college, just being a ton of debt and, uh, and not really have a job. Right. right. If you don't get a technical degree well, of some I, sort. Is, you know, if, so. if your listeners go back to your episode about college versus the military, you know, I definitely had the, the parental pressure. Um, my folks were definitely keen on me going to college because um, I was, I was telling you, I was, I was in high school. I was ready to go in the military. I was going to enlist and earn that GI bill and I'd go to college later. Um, but my folks convinced me that it was probably a good idea to go to college first, um, experience life in the military as an officer. They thought that was a, probably a, a better path for me. Um, you know, either way works. You can go straight in. If you, if you're at 18, if you are not ready to go to college, um, and you think a couple years of maturity in the military would square you away so that you can go to college later and to get more out of it and benefit from it. I know um, you always have folks that are a couple years removed from the, the average college age student walking around campus. And those are men and women that have used their, their time and service to earn the GI Bill and come back to school and do it. And they're always really good students because they've got the discipline, 
the mental attitude that they're taking it seriously. It's not something that's just being paid for by their parents at that point. They've earned it and they want to make the most out of it because they recognize the value of that degree in their future post-military career. So um, there's a lot of different roads, um, whether it's ROTC, OCS, like you did, um, you know, depending on enlisting and then just going out and getting a college degree later. So all, all different paths. Um, and you just got to kind of explore your options and talk to, talk to people. You know, I know you take direct messages. So do we ask us questions, ask your parents, ask those recruiters and, and find out what the options are that might work for you. Because there are, there are a lot of different ways to get where you eventually want to go. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, I, I share with a lot of people ask the question, you know, because they're deciding on ROTC or, they're just going to go the traditional route. And I tell you, I, I tell them time and time again, like I, I kind of did the hard thing. Like yeah. I, I went to high school for forever, had a family deploying and all that kind of stuff. And if you go to the ROTC program, you skip OCS, which it's just three months of just hell. Right. Uh, so, I mean, that's, that's a big benefit, even though it doesn't sound like, well, what's three months? Well, yeah, step into that place and you'll realize <laughs> yeah. real quick or right. how much it sucks. Um, so yeah, my first interaction, uh, just take it back a little bit, you know, wasn't great with the army either. I mean, like you're, you growing up near great lakes, which I've never been back there myself after boot camp. But, um, after, uh, after buds, I went, uh, I was a corpsman. So I, I went to 18 Delta and I spent uh, seven months at the, uh, combat medics course in Fort Bragg in, in Vietnam. And <laughs> oh my gosh, man, uh, being around, and this is 96. So everybody's wearing the reflective belts. Everybody is just like the loud horns are going in the morning and we're jammed in there with, uh, all these other special operation medic, you know, PJs and, and Marine Corps and stuff like that. And, uh, we're like, Hey, can we go to the pool and swim? Like, and they're like, no, we must march and ruck and stay in line. We're like, Oh my gosh, we're in hell. <laughs> <laughs> like we were just like the band of misfits. Uh, just, you know, cause all our other buddies went to the team or on in platoons and we're, we're stuck in this army course for forever. Uh, you know, death by PowerPoint for seven months. And, and so that was, that was my uh, my first experience with the army. We, uh, uh, we, we love to joke, you know, the Air Force gets a substandard living allowance when they get stationed on an army base. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no kidding, man. Um, when I was at OCS, we did like the Olympic Games or whatever. All the different uh, OCSs come together, and we were at the Air Force Officer Candidate School, and we march in there, and we're like lockstep. We got Marine Corps drill. Sorry, you know, all the we're just like shaved heads and we go in there and it's it's like a fraternity we're like what's going on here mm -hmm. what you guys can talk to each other in the first person what what, what world is this <laughs> it was it was insane it's, that, it's that old uh, the old uh, military meme uh when somebody calls you by your first name and they've got that obi-wan kenobi goes that's a name i haven't heard in a very long time <laughs> <laughs> uh so it sounds like you hit uh, like i said you hit the jackpot uh, where I had to wait a number of years uh, through pain and suffering uh, with uh, before 9-11. But, um, yeah, you jumped in, and uh, you were in Afghanistan first. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. My first – actually, it was kind of funny. My first two deployments were both to Afghanistan. So when Iraq was all the attention and, and, and rage, um, I was humping up and down the mountains there in the, uh, the Kunar province and yeah. um, patrolling through Ghazni and places like that. And then um, – by the second deployment, uh, 06, 07, 
Uh, that was like the surge in Iraq. So it was really no attention on Afghanistan. Um, and we were getting into a pretty good fight at that point. Uh, units were in contact and uh, things were, were heating up a little bit over there. And then um, after that deployment, I PCS down to uh, Fort Sill, Oklahoma for the uh, Field Artillery Captain's Career Course. And then my next duty station was Fort Hood, Texas and the 1st Cavalry Division. And we deployed then to Mosul, Iraq uh, in December of 2008. And so that whole calendar year 2009, I was running around Mosul, Iraq. Um, when things had pretty calmed down in that area, uh, most of Iraq at that point was pretty low key. Obviously this is long before any of us had ever heard of ISIS or any of that. Yeah, um, right. yeah, but basically the things, things had calmed down. We were doing a lot of reconstruction, um, monitoring the uh, Kurdish Peshmerga, and the Iraqi military, making sure they, they played nice together or at least kept separated far enough apart up there in that area of the country. Um, so that was really what we were doing that year. So it wasn't too bad. But by that point, the shift had focused or the focus had shifted to Afghanistan. And you had, you know, multiple divisions, I think, going to Afghanistan at that point. <laughs> Whereas when we were there and, and you were there in the early years, um, you know, you weren't going to run into anybody because there was nobody there. <laughs> Yeah, man. Well, that's good. Um, I want to get to Shaw, but maybe just share a little bit, maybe what's, you know, some of your highlights. Like it, you look back at your career. I mean, there's certain things you pick out as I think about my time and, and yeah, all the, the funny things that happened. But, you know, if you were to pick, uh, pick kind of the highlight of, of, of the time you spent with the army, uh, what would that be? Yeah, I think for me, it, it, there's definitely some some great moments um, serving with your buddies. You know, the, that's a wonderful experience. You'll meet some of the best friends that you'll have for the rest of your life when you're serving in the military. There, there's people that are, you know, n not necessarily just like you, but they have a similar mentality and mindset. And you guys are, are working towards a common cause together. You don't wake up when you're, you're on active duty in Afghanistan and wonder, what's your purpose? What am I going to do today? How do I find meaning in life? Um, to you and uh, you get to go out and execute that every day. So that that's really invigorating. And that that overall skill set that I developed in the military of leadership, the ability to make decisions. Um, I don't I don't hesitate a lot in the business world now. Um, you know, if something comes up, I knock it down, deal with it. Um, you know, I don't have to get a committee together to, to help me form an opinion. Um, you know, we, we, right. we have that direction and that ability to take charge of a situation. So there's a lot of good skill sets that you will learn on active duty, even in the combat arms. People always ask me, like, what did you do in the military? I was like, I was a field artillery officer. I shot cannons, blew stuff up. They're like, so what are you what are you doing in business now? Exactly. But it's like it's like you don't get it, man. It's not about that. It's about you know, the leadership, the skills, the, 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 the development that you get out of that process and the ability to, to organize and plan and do advanced planning. I remember doing training calendars, you know, 60, 90 days, 180 days in advance, you know, where's my battery going to be? What range are we going to be on? What assets do we have to lay on in advance to make sure that that training is successfully executed? Uh, who do we have to coordinate with? That's no different in business or in anything else you're going to do in life. Uh, you know, working with other people, coordinating, advanced planning, all those skills are 100% applicable to the civilian world. So get everything you can out of your military experience. Take advantage of every opportunity. Go to schools. Go to extra training. Do whatever you can to learn from the people that have gone down that road ahead of you. And uh, you'll, you'll just rock and roll when you get out because you're going to be head and shoulders above people that don't have that on their resume. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. And was your, was your parents supportive? I mean, I know they wanted you to go to college, but as you were in – ROTC was pretty clear 
because they weren't paying for your college. Yeah. The military was going to pay for this, yeah. and you owed the military some time. I, I will tell you that, you know, so most of my college career was before 9-11. My mom had visions of me going into the Army, doing my four years, hopefully be stationed in Germany so they could come visit me, <laughs> come visit me in Europe. We'd, we'd, you know, take weekends around Europe. It would be so cool, and I'd get out after my four years and, uh, you know, not a scratch on me. And uh, that was her, I think, her vision. So she was definitely supportive. And I will say that my entire time on active duty, including, you know, three years deployed downrange, uh, you know, they, they, they worried hard for me and, and prayed a lot. Um, but they were always supportive and th- there was no pressure for me I, yeah. that I had to get out. Um, you know, my decision to separate, like everybody's is just a personal choice. Um, I was coming off my third deployment. I was physically and mentally whole, but feeling a little tired. And if I couldn't give it a hundred percent, I wasn't sure that I wanted to keep doing it. Um, plus there's this horrible rank called major, um, which I was knocking on the doorstep of, and I knew I'd be a staff officer for the next like decade. I just thought that sounded like a horrible experience <laughs> after after having the, the the privilege of of commanding troops in combat, um, shuffling paperwork didn't sound like too much fun for me. So <laughs> yeah. I thought it was my time to pop smoke and let the next guy have a chance to lead. Um, but yeah, definitely, you know, my family and friends were supportive. But it's a good point, though. I will say, you know, like in college, you know, after I lived in the dorms my first two years, had a townhouse with three or four other guys, none of them were in ROTC. They were all just doing their thing. And, and post-military, I've stayed good friends with them. Um, but they, you know, they just went straight into their civilian careers and have had, had nice lives, have started families just like I have. But you don't have to be only with people that want to be in the military and ROTC and things like that. You know, you definitely keep your friends, keep your, keep your network outside the military because you hear a lot of transition stories where guys get out and they, you know, they've only been removed from your hometown or your college town for a couple of years you can tap back into that network and leverage it to help you find your next opportunity. So keep in touch with those folks in and outside the military. Yeah. Good point, man. That is, that's great. Well, why don't we uh, transition over to your business partner there and let him uh, jump in. And, and I don't know if you guys met in the military or it was after, but uh, maybe I'll let, let him share his story. And Yep. No, hey, thanks. Thanks, Justin, for having us on. We appreciate you reaching out to us. Um, it's always exciting to, connect with other veterans. Um, so Shaw Chowdhury, a uh, partner with Joe Assault Forward, uh, U.S. Army vet. I was, so my background, I was born and raised in New York City. Um, I, I did ROTC, my path through college. So my, my, my father was the one who kind of pushed me into the Army. He's always talked to me since I was starting high school, like, hey, you should go into the Army, be, become an Army officer. It's an honorable profession, good thing to do. And I was a teenager growing up in New York City. Like, I was like, oh, what am I going to do with the Army? Like, I didn't think about it. All I was thinking about was, yeah. you know, girls and having fun and playing sports in schools, right? Was he, was he former military? I mean, where where did yeah, he so, No, so good, great question. So, my, so, you know, I'm first generation. I was born and raised here. My parents immigrated from uh, Bangladesh. And so uh, they came over. I had a lot of family members in the Bangladeshi military. Like, so a lot of, like, colonels and a lot of high ranks. So he had a big family on the other side. So he was like, hey. Obviously, you can't be in the Bangladeshi military. You're American, right? So, why don't you go to the. So, my, my dad tried to get in. He tried to get into kind of the West Point equivalent in Bangladesh, and, and he couldn't get in. Um, so, he kind of pushed it on to me like, hey, you know, I want you to become an army officer, right? So, he kind of was like, it's a good, good, good career, very honorable, respectable, you know, join the, join the army. Um, so, he kind of pushed, you know, freshman, sophomore year in, in high school, you know, trying to look at ROTC or West Point. And I was like, ah, whatever. So, then one summer, we actually went to Bangladesh weeks ago you know, every couple of years. And I had a cousin who just got promoted to captain over in the army there. Now he was an ordinance officer, but you know, over there, you know, he, you know, I saw how the military kind of life was. I was like, wow, he's pretty cool. He's in uniform. 
you know, people were saluting him and he was doing cool things. And I said, oh, maybe I'll look into it. So then I got back and um, kind of researched ROTC. And I said, OK, it looks like pretty, pretty cool, um, pretty cool path. So then I kind of applied to ROTC, got in. And um, so, so that's how I went. But my ROTC year was from 1997 to 2001. And I had to take summer classes because I was always either working full time and had <laughs> classes. So I actually got commissioned September 1st, 2001, 10 days before 9-11 in yeah, New York City. Yeah, in, in New York City, too. So I mean, I'm born and raised in New York. So I, you know, I raised my hand. I raised my right hand for my commissioning September 1st. And then 10 days later, 9-11 hits. Right. And then um, so my active duty entry date was November 1st, like 2001 to Fort Sill. So obviously, I tell a lot of people this story, like, you know, my entire four years on RTC, we used the FM7-8, which is based on infantry rifle tactics, but based on Vietnam era tactics, right? Like oh, jungle, yeah. jungle yeah. warfare, right? So right. Like, here we are, they taught us jungle warfare, it was the Clinton days, jungle warfare, and then a year and a half later, I'm in Baghdad, right? So all that jungle stuff was out the window, right? Like, we, have to, <laughs> we have to relearn it. So, um, yeah, so that was my path, you know, so I got, I, I was, I was, I did the same MOS as Joe had, I was, I was an artillery officer, so I went to Fort Sill, so I went from New York City to Fort Sill, Oklahoma. Tell that's a big uh, culture, cult, shock. culture shock for me uh, going from New York City to Oklahoma. But uh, it was great. I mean, I I, I liked Lawton. You know, it was it was a great town for me. But then when six months came around, and so my first duty station was actually my duty station was actually Bombholder, Germany. It was the first armor division, and um, so I went May May '02, went to went to Bombholder. I was a platoon leader in an artillery battery, and the first year I was there. This was before the Iraq war was even started. It was, you know, May 02. And I think right around like September, October, when, you know, the war beat started starting to drum. And, but that first year, I was like, wow, I can't believe I'm being paid to do this. Like I was a platoon leader. I had troops I was leading, um, you know, at my own apartment. I was, I was living life. I was, you know, traveling in Europe, you know, on the weekends. And then, um, the, you know, the war started. And then so I was one of, we were part of the first pass. So I, 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 got, to, I got to Iraq in May 2003. Um, who was there from May 03 to July 04. So when we first got there, um, you know, we didn't even know when we were coming back. We was the first, you know, we were supposed to be a part of the initial invasion, but then the initial invasion lasted only three weeks, right? So we were supposed to be like the second second wave of that. Um, so we were the first occupying force in, in Baghdad. Um, uh, with the first, we took over for the 3rd Infantry Division. Again, that was the platoon leaders. We were doing this amount of patrols, patrols, ID sweeps. We kind of, kind of did a lot of different things. Um, uh, but again, we didn't know when we were coming. So eventually April... 04 is when we first got, hey, you guys going to go back to Germany. And then we got stop lost um, during the Sadr uprising happened. Um, well, so- you know what? You, you, both of you, man, if I could just drag you back sure. to the 90s and, you know, like physically have you guys go through kind of like a war appreciation. And yeah, I'm just, sure. I'm, I'm sitting here just like, just like you basically joined and just went right to war. Yeah. What it sounds like. And, you know, as uh, a lot of us in the military were just, uh, training for nothing, training on uh, old, outdated tactics. We had no idea. I think a lot of people don't understand what the military was in the '90s, even in the in the early 2000s. Yeah. Uh, it was nothing like it is now, and you know, a lot of people complain about war, but man, it's made us so much better as a country, as as uh, equipment and all of that. I mean, I see some of the war fighters out there now. I'm just like, holy crap, man! I Wait, this load carrying vest was like a piece of crap from Vietnam or like cruising around in the SEAL team. Like I look back, I'm like, oh, we're it was awful. <laughs> like it was like what but, are you know, doing? but you know, but Justin, but like what you're saying, like for you know, during RT, you know, and again and going back, I think when you asked Joe, like what did he experience from RTC? Like for me, 
like I was, I grew up in the inner city in New York city and, you know, my parents were poor immigrants. I came here and they just wanted the American dream. And so for me, the army turned me into a man, like an army, the military saved my life. I I would say like, it made me into the person I am taught me about leadership, taught me about discipline, taught me a lot of things. Um, But then, you know, going, so I was a platoon leader in Iraq. Like I had like 20, you know, 20, 25 troops, you know, under my command, I was 23 years old. Right. And I had, you know, I was leading patrols and then I was a battery executive officer and I was an acting commander. So I had up to, you know, 120 troops under my command at 23, 24 years old. That makes you grow up really fast. Right. Compared to what my friends were doing back, back in the state side. Um, yeah. So, you know, and part of what I've taken from that is kind of Joe said, like, one of the things that I always got on my officer evaluation reports was uh, my mental strength, like emotion, staying calm under pressure. So like in this day, like now that I'm here, like in the DC area, like things don't really stress me. Like I, I, don't, I don't worry about things. I'm like, you know what? I don't have IEDs blowing up on me. I don't have RPGs coming at me. Like it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's going to be okay. Right. I mean, what's the worst that can happen. And um, so it's, it's taught me a lot, but you're right. I think going right in, you know, I got commissioned and then, you know, went to Fort Sill and a year later I was, I was in Baghdad for, you know, almost a year and a half. Um, it makes you grow up pretty quickly, but it made me a better, like, I wouldn't change anything for the world. I mean, yeah, we, you know, I, I lost friends and, you know, I lost soldiers and, um, you know, which, which obviously we would be thinking about them all the time. But, you know, from my ex- personal experience, like the person that made me today, like, I, I, you know, I don't, you know, I, I wish I could do it all over again if I had to. Yeah, uh, that's, that's great. And when did you, uh, when did you punch out? Yeah, so I punched out um, late 2005. So my initial plan when I first join up i wanted to do the full career like same thing kind of like joe when i got into college i didn't care about grades i said only only i need to do is get my degree so i can go play soldier the rest of my life um so i didn't care about like i was like what what's the bare minimum i need to do to pass so i can get my grade and i can move on to the army um so so that was (laughs) so that was my path so i wanted to go but then what happened was of course there's always a woman right always a woman gets involved so i met my wife so i was stationed in germany and about Three, uh, but uh, a month before I deployed to Iraq. So um, my buddies, you know, all of us, uh, you know, uh, lieutenants, platoon leaders, we were kind of going out partying almost every night because we were like, who knows if we're coming back or not. So I met my wife in Germany. So she was in med school at the time. She kind of got done with the exam. We were out, you know, everybody was out bar hopping. and So I met her about a couple of weeks before I deployed, kind of the whole fell in love story. And when I got back, she was still in med school. So it was time for me to make a decision on whether I go on to the captain's course and continue with my military career, I would have gone to Oklahoma or, you know, or, or I stay here with her. And I kind of wanted to see that relationship through. So she was kind of the main reason why I got out. Um, you know, and again, luckily we're, we're still married. Like if, if we, if we were divorced, I would have been pretty upset that I gave up my military career for him. But um, so that, that was, a, so it was around late November 05. Um, and then at that point, like I didn't do a lot of research because my initial thought was I was going to do a full career. So when I got out, it was, Hey, Thank you for your service. Now figure out what you're going to do. So I kind of fluttered for a number of years trying to figure out what I, you know, what I was going to do. Um, and then eventually, you know, I, I met Joe, like, and uh, when we went to grad school, like years later, using the GI Bill. Yeah, yeah. So, so tell me, I mean, it's, it's fast forwarding a little bit, but, you know, a couple of combat vets, uh, you guys meet up, you, you guys decided to tackle an MBA, get that under your belt. And so you guys meet up there. I think uh, I was hearing from Joe when we talked earlier. Yeah. Yeah. So we, uh, yeah, we went back to school at the University of Maryland, uh, Smith School of Business. Um, great, great program and uh, kind of local to both of us. So we were able to, to join their executive MBA program. So you met on 
Friday and Saturday every other week for 19 months. Um, there was a full week at the beginning and the end and some other stuff uh, throughout, but um, get to your MBA um, while you can still maintain a full-time job. So um, it's designed for kind of mid-career professionals. And uh, yeah, there were about probably about 10 of us in the course, maybe yeah, more than give or take. No, no, it was about 20% of the class were veterans. Yeah, so, so yeah. people using their GI uh, days. Um, and so, yeah, so um, yeah, so Sean and I and our other co-founder, Josh, met. Um, he's another army veteran and, um, linked up and, uh, Shah had, uh, this, uh, tendency to wear sport coats with a lapel pin and he always wore an American flag army lapel pin. And, uh, I had had the idea that a reverse American flag lapel pin, like we wore the patch on our combat uniforms, uh, would look kind of cool and be kind of a unique conversation starter that as a symbol of our service. And so one day I finally found what I was looking for just to buy one for myself on Etsy that was being sold as an upside down protest flag. But I said, well, that's not, I don't really want to support it, but it's what I'm looking for. If I rotate it around, it'll be the reverse flag. At least give me a starting point. So I got one, I got one for Sean and, and threw it to him and, we were talking after the program. Well, well, well let, me, let me cut in on this. Yeah, right. on. So this is the thing. So when he, when he gave that to me, right, I said, oh, this is so cool. So I took it off and put it right on. And it was, a, again, it had the Etsy packaging on the guy who was making it on Etsy. So I was like, hey, let me check out who this guy is. So I Googled it, you know, I wanted to the Etsy page. And then I saw, he, and Joe didn't tell me it was an upside down protest. But I saw that. I was like, what the? I was like, are you serious? I was like, we're buying stuff from this guy. Sorry, it's a protest. But I came back to Joe and I was like, what the hell, man? Right? And then uh, he was like, hey, but, you know, we turned it off. It works for us. I was like. I guess, but it just left like a, like a, you know, then after that, I started Googling like, Hey, right. who else is selling something like that? And, and there was, there was nobody selling it. And, um, I was like, how could, how, how is this possible? And so that's got, I'll let Joe yeah. take it back up. But yeah, so that's, that's where we, uh, so he, he decided that there would be a business opportunity, um, into selling, you know, American made veteran owned and operated reverse American flag lapel pins and professional accessories and so of course my initial reaction is shaw that's a dumb idea nobody's gonna want to buy i just i just made this for us like this is just a thing for us to wear it's not intended to be a business like just rock your pin and be done with it brother Mm -hmm. and so that's when he pulled in josh our other business partner and was like yeah well we should do this and so the two of them kind of started but before they even got one foot out the gate they were like we really need joe in on this so luckily they finally convinced me to do it um so i I jumped in with them on it and um that's kind of where we started with assault forward you know founding the company finding a name starting with that one product and i know we we spoke a little bit justin but that's that's our our story for everybody is if you think you want to do something whether it's join the military start a business go to school whatever it is just take the first steps you don't have to have it all figured out but you just got to start, start somewhere and go. We launched our website, assaultforward.us with a single item that reverse American flag will help. (laughs) So you talk about like, we're like, well, you know, do we need to have like a full portfolio of products? Do we need to have this like robust store before we, you know, start launching the website? And we're like, no, let's, let's, you know, fail fast. Let's put this one thing out there. If people like it, great. If they don't, at least we'll know before we get into the... Yeah, yeah, and, that's uh, a good point. But, but what happened too, like before I hit up Joe, because when I was wearing the lapel pin, a lot of people, you know, it's it, people notice it. Like, hey, why is that, ba-? you know, why is that backwards? And I would tell the story, well, it's not backwards. It's assaulting forward. And this is how we wore it. And they're like, oh, that's a cool story. That's who, and 
I, I said that maybe 30, 40. And finally, one day, the light bulb went off. I was like, hold on. I was like, this. every time I tell someone, they say it's a cool story. That's when I brought it to kind of Joe and Josh. And um, Yeah, can you, can you explain that a little bit? I mean, just for listeners who don't understand that, because uh, they might be listening, they're like, oh, what, what do you mean? On your right shoulder facing forward. What, yeah. what's, what's, yep. Can you explain just uh, the history on that and then kind of tie that in with uh, yes. your, your, your company name and all that? Yes, if you go back you know, to the, the beginning, early history of America and war, you can picture the guy running into battle with the flag, you know, on the guide on, on the pole, running into battle. And if you're looking at him, the flag is flowing behind him. So the field of stars that's attached to the guide on is always facing forward or charging right. ahead, you know, assaulting forward into battle. And so the military takes that same depiction of the flag and on the right sleeve, puts the American flag, but the way they do it is with that stars, with that field of stars facing forward or assaulting forward. So we took that, so kind of the, the flag charging into battle to the flag patch worn on military uniforms to then taking that same depiction and putting it in a lapel pin. And we do it in an antique silver and black finish that's subdued, uh, kind of low key, which is the same way in combat, the flag is on the uniform. You don't want a big red, white, and blue flag on the on a camouflage uniform in, in combat. So we switch out the red, white, and blue one when we go to war and wear that black and white version. Yeah. Um, that always, so that's how we... It looks great. Yeah, took that, took that look of it. And then, you know, again, going back to the, the you know core principles for us, we're like, dude, if it's going to be veteran-owned and operated and we're going to sell the American flag, we have to make it in America. This can't be a cheap pin that's made overseas and, you know, we sell to people. Like, we got to do it the right way. So making a quality pin, you know, getting it so that the stars are stars, not dots. <laughs> um, you know, we're, we, always, we always look at the, the pins that some of the politicians wear with the wavy red, white, and blue one. It's just like these gold dots that are stars. We're like, it just doesn't even look right, brother. Like, come on, <laughs> like, get, get you a nice pin on. But, so, um, but a part of it, too, with the story, when, you know, when I brought it up with Joe, like, hey, we should look at starting a company for this. He's like, hey, man, there's Grunt Style. There's Nine Line. There's a lot of the other veteran-owned companies. But we all, we, we, you know, we love all of them. He's like how do we compete or how do we get a slice of that because they're so big. And so we kind of talked like, Hey, we're professional veterans, right? We wear a suit and tie or a jacket, you know, whatever. Like, so that's kind of our nether. We're looking for more professional accessories and, and apparel. Like we're coming out with actually a t-shirt soon. We're going to call it like the weekend shirt or whatnot, but I'm trying to do polo shirts, golf hats, just something a little different that we're like, Hey, you know, we love gun style. We love nine. Like we, we love all of our veteran, you know, brothers and sisters companies, but we're like, we're trying to do a, a, something a little bit different, for people who want something more discreet, yeah. something that you can wear in the office in a professional workplace to kind of still have that unique pride of military service. We're very proud of our service. We want others to take pride in their service and tell their story of their service. We think that a reverse American flag on your lapel during an interview is a great conversation starter. Somebody notices that and says, tell me about your pin. What does it mean when it's facing that way? Yeah. You can tell that story about your time in the military and make that connection. And then all those positive attributes that we talked about earlier, they're going to associate with you. They're, they're the candidates sitting across from them in that interview. And that's going to give you a leg up against the competition. So take pride in that military service, but display it in a professional way. So the lapel pins, the cuff links, the tie clips, those sorts of accessories um, are kind of our niche of the military pride of service veteran and patriotic supporters. You know, my, my parents love all this stuff too, because they're like, yeah, our son was in the military. They can tell that story too. So there's other, other friends we have that weren't, didn't serve, but still like wearing this stuff in a professional workplace. Yeah, I definitely noticed that right off the, you know, it's kind of the classy silent professional uh, direction you're going with, with everything I saw on Instagram and your website. And, you know, cause there's, it's just the market is flooded with 
the the grunt style type of marketing of hey smash this you know break this must wear huge flag on shoulder with things <laughs> right. blowing up and yeah I, I i i like that direction you guys are going it's kind of uh it's kind of the niche and uh i think you guys can go pretty far with that so it's that's pretty great. And just starting out with one product and, and building when the need is there is great. Uh, a lot of these companies get so overloaded with, with hundreds of products and, uh, and not really stay, stay focused uh, like you guys are. So I think it's, uh, you know, I think it's great. I think a little pelt is awesome. You said you guys had cufflinks and a uh, tie clip as well. Yep. Yeah, we got those. We got some coffee mugs. We've done um, a forward-facing flag pin because some folks, um, some of our Marine brothers that didn't wear the flag on their uniform, Marine uniforms are very clean. They're like, hey, I like what you're doing, but could you make it forward-facing, you know, and other folks maybe that didn't serve in the military but still like the the metal look of our, our product, um, like the forward traditional-facing pin. So we have that one available. We have a reverse uh, thin blue line edition for some of our uh, veterans in law enforcement. You know, we know a lot of uh, a lot of folks that serve um, go on to serve their communities after the military. So a salute to, uh, you know, those in law enforcement and uh, shop management. We got T-shirts. We, we're doing some part partnerships on other soft goods. So um, yeah, we have, we, have, we have some hats coming out. We have uh, socks coming out. And, you know, we're trying to expand, but kind of going back to what you said, like we started with one thing and like, all right, and we basically reinvested everything, whatever we saw, like, oh, let's put it back into marketing and more products. And we're just slowly expanding. So we don't, you know, so, so we do it in, in a nice disciplined way, not not like emptying out the bank accounts and credit cashing out the credit cards and saying, all right, let's see what happens. Uh, you know, we, we, we did it very methodically. But I think what helped, too, was being in a partnership. Like, you know, there's there's three of us. Um, you know, we have different backgrounds and expertise like since getting out the army i went into the finance world and joe does more marketing josh is an operations guy so we have different skill sets and that's when you know it was, it's very good so certain things when it comes to marketing like joe runs with it and i trust him because that's what he does on a day-to-day basis and vice versa when it comes to numbers and finance they you know it, it comes back to me so i think having that that delegation of duties and, you know, but we all understand the commander's intent, right? We're all, we say we're all partners, but we all understand that we understand as long as it advances our mission, then, Hey, let's, let's go for it. So it's, it's, it's been such, such a fun, like I told Joe this all the time, you know, the best thing I've ever done was, you know, lead troops in combat, like nothing will ever match that, but this, this is pretty close just because I'm dealing with, you know, working with other veterans and being in the veteran space. Like it's, it's so much fun. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, all right. Well, before we wrap this up, i Given this is only my second time using the Anchor app to connect uh, across the country, uh, a little nervous, going to shut off. So I want I want to be able to preserve all this, but um, I'll I'll put all your guys' links uh, in the uh, in the podcast notes where we can see. But maybe you can share with everybody just what's the base best way to get in touch with you. Where's all your stuff? Uh, Instagram, website, that sort of thing. Um, yeah, so our, uh, our website is uh, assaultforward.us. We went with the .us extension, again, to designate our, our commitment to all of our products being made in America. So assaultforward.us. And then across Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, LinkedIn, we're at assaultfwd. So assaultfwd um, is the handle across all social media platforms. You can uh, connect with us on any of those, check out our stuff. Uh, check out the stuff we post. We post a lot of military-related stuff, and uh, send us direct messages on Instagram, uh, Twitter, Facebook. We're pretty responsive. Um, yeah, we are high up. Like we're at the top in the Google hit. You put in a yeah, software, we, we come right, right up there yeah. too. So yeah, you'll find us on, find us online out there. But uh, 
yeah, check out our stuff and uh, we'd love to uh, love to see you guys and send us your messages and your questions. Anything Justin can't answer from the Navy side, if you need a couple army guys, uh, you know, <laughs> we'd be happy, happy to jump in and help. Uh, yeah. Be careful what you ask for, man. You, you, you <laughs> filled up. Um, yeah. But yeah, thanks so much for spending the time and, and anything I can do to help you guys, you know, support you, uh, you know, just, just veterans starting businesses. It, it's not, it's not all easy, right? Uh, we've got to come together and help each other out. And that was, that was a big reason just asking these guys on just like, Hey, you guys want to yeah, talk story a little bit and, and give, uh, you know, give people kind of a glimpse into, you know, your path into the military, your path as lucky as you were directly into war. <laughs> so that, that was pretty cool. And then out there, uh, getting your MBA and diving right into business. So I, I yeah. definitely want to have you guys back on again. Maybe we can share some war stories, some, some funny things that happened out there in the field and kind of share some of the highlights of that. I'm sure I always get to DMs on that. Oh, tell me more stories. And so maybe we can uh, plan that in the future. Love to, uh, cool. Absolutely. Yeah, love, love, love to dive into that. Any day, let us know, Justin. That'd be really good. All right, guys. Well, uh, thanks for coming on. And, uh, we'll, like I said, I'll link everything up in the show notes for everybody to connect with you guys and, uh, best of luck to you. Yeah, Thanks, check out those show notes. We'll we'll throw a discount code for your listeners in there too. So we'll we'll send that to you to put in there. All right, sounds good, man. All right, guys, <laughs> and thanks for your service too, Justin. We appreciate you, man. All right, guys, have a great rest of your day. All right, take All care. Right, see you.